Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who's taken the time to listen to this podcast so far. But if I could just ask one small favour. If you're enjoying the episodes, please can you rate the podcast and leave a small review. This will help so much in spreading the word about it to others. And if you aren't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get a notification as soon as a new episode is released. As always, thank you so much for lending me your ears. It really is appreciated. My guest this week is Alex Galbali, or as you might know him if you follow him on social media, Daddy to Triplet Girls. Husband to Charlotte and father to Henry, Annabella, Florence, Lottie, and their youngest son, Jimmy, Alex has been documenting his life as a dad, mostly on Instagram, following the birth of their girls just over five years ago. In our conversation, we spoke about their first pregnancy with Henry and why he felt that pregnancy happened at the right time in his life. The moment he found out that he was going to be a dad to triplets and the challenges that came with a multiple pregnancy. Why he's chosen to continue working full time in his day job alongside the work he does on social media. And why more recently he's decided to talk so openly about his mental health struggles and how this has helped him personally as well as others that follow him. I really love this chat with Alex. His no-nonsense, say-as-it-is approach was actually really refreshing to hear. And I'm sure you guys are going to love this episode. So here it is. Episode 12 of the Diary of a Dad podcast with my friend, Alex Galbali. So how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Although I say not too bad, you probably know, but my wife fell down the stairs two days ago and... I'm dealing with all the kids and working as well as doing podcasts, obviously. So it's quite full on at the moment, but I kind of thrive on that sometimes. Oh, well, yes, I did see about um, Charlotte and so sorry to, to hear that. I'm glad that she's actually okay, but must have been really scary for you. Well, well, yeah, I, I came out of my bedroom and she was just laying on the floor. And um, obviously it's not a scenario you're used to. My first thought was, I don't want it to be another episode of The Staircase on Netflix. So I had to make sure she was all right. Um, and no, she's fine. She's battered and bruised. She's got some seizures going on, but she's going to be all right. So that's the main thing. But yeah, it's pretty scary. Um, things just, I've found since I became a dad that these things get thrown at you constantly, it seems. Um, I had my own problems last year and, it's just like the kids are ill and oh, it just seems to all just come, but you've just got, you've just got to deal with it and, and also talk about it because it does help. I think. No, definitely. And as you say, it's really scary sometimes when it's, when it's health things, because, you know, we, we just, I think we can all take that for granted. Um, and yeah, you just don't expect these moments. So yeah, I can understand why that would have been sort of really, really scary for you. But as we said, we know that Charlotte's been looked after, she's been checked out and that's the the main thing. Yeah. But yeah, as you said, there's never a dull moment in your house. No. Um, we are going to get, we are going to get onto exactly why that is the case um, for, for those that don't know. But something that I want us to do before we, before we get into all of that is 
and I get all of my guests to do this, is to literally take it right the way back to your childhood. So we're going back and I just want to get a bit of an insight, a bit more of an understanding into what life was like for a young Alex Galbali growing up. So I was born in Basildon, as most great people are, well, I can't think of any others. And I had, I had three brothers, um, one older, two younger. Um, my dad was in a heavy metal band with long curly hair and was a window cleaner. And he was a bit sort of eccentric and a bit crazy and did some sort of used to, his rock bands used to perform in our local town. So he was a bit of a local hero. Um, and it, my house was crazy actually. So everyone was football mad. Um, there was never a dull moment, which is kind of similar to my life now, but yeah, it was lots of, lots of noise, lots of shouting, lots of trying to um, prove that you're the most dominant person in the household, I think. Um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, pretty crazy. Um, I was pretty naughty at school, actually. Um, like just thinking back to primary school, I was a bit of a naughty kid. Um, I didn't really like, I didn't really like school, didn't enjoy it, didn't really, didn't want to be there. I, don't, I think it's the right kind of um sort of picture I'm trying to build up. Like I, I, I did all right, but I just always felt like I didn't want to be there. I didn't enjoy learning, didn't enjoy studying, um, couldn't wait to leave, but it was happy. Like my, my childhood was happy. There was lots going on, um, played football, done all the, went out on my bike. I mean, that was one thing that was so different. I remember when I was seven, we used to walk to school on our own um, and I used to just be allowed out. So like even now, what it's half eight at night I'd be out um at my son's age and I wouldn't dream of even letting him probably go to the car to get something to be honest um at the moment which I don't know whether it's just we're different as parents or times have changed but I don't know but um so yeah like that's the kind of early early days um I had long hair I used to get I sort of got dressed up as a girl quite a lot um, from the photos that I've seen. I'm not sure if it was because my parents wanted a girl or not, but um, there's all these photos of me wearing like sandals and having long hair. So it's a, an interesting sort of upbringing, it would seem. And I think just picking up on what you said there about the the differences, I think we all experience it. And I do think it is genuinely just because we sadly live in a a, a time and an era that is just not safe. I was having this same conversation with my sisters a couple of weeks ago, just about how, you know, you'd hear about people playing out, but that wasn't necessarily playing out in the front garden. That might've been, you know, five minutes up the road or 10 minutes up the road. Or, you know, if you had a park locally, you could have gone to the park with your mates and then, you know, sort of just come back at, at the right times. And I feel like it is a shame that our kids, probably won't get the chance to experience that. Yeah, like I say, we, I remember we could have pretty much do what we wanted. Like there was no, um, I didn't really get questioned where I'd been, who I'd been with, what I'd been doing. I, and obviously as you get older, you start doing things you shouldn't be doing. And that was probably part of that, having that freedom. But then, you know, the memories I've got from it are unbelievable. Whereas unless 
Henry's got a friend to come and play round. And obviously I use Henry because he's eight and the rest of them are quite young still. But unless he has a friend round or we go to a friend's, he doesn't see his mates. He doesn't get to just hang around and go out on his bike. If he wants to go out on his bike, we have to take him. You know, it's so different. And I think that's part of the kind of makeup of the kids these days. I think they're just kind of a bit in a bubble, but what do you do, right? I mean, I'm not going to be like the pioneer and let him go out and do what he wants because that's not right either. So I don't know. I suppose the good thing is the kids don't know any different. It's not as though they've had that freedom for a, a couple of years and now we're snatching it away because things have, have turned. It is just a generational thing now where, you know, everyone that's around that same sort of age just just mm. won't necessarily have had those, those experiences. With that comes this like... Um, can't play on their own kind of mentality as well. So like my um, my parents just used to tell us to <laughs> off basically. Um, every time we <laughs> used to turn up, they'd just go just <laughs> off and do something over there. And like, that was just like, yeah, fine. But my kids are like, I have to create the game, explain the game and be in the game for them to have a game. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not that they haven't got an imagination because they have, but they just kind of, they're so dependent on me and I then feel guilty because I think, oh, I should just play with them because they won't, they won't want me to play with them one day. And, you know, then you end up just, basically, I just end up playing like um, dodgeball and football and badminton all day and jumping in and out of the swimming pool, which is great to be fair because when I think, again, if I think back to my dad, he didn't do that. He just used to sit in the front room and no one was allowed in there because he'd been at work all week. So, you know, I guess it's got its pluses and minuses and I probably don't help myself because I never say no. I'm just like, okay, like literally finish work. Um, so I still work full time. Not that I shouldn't, but I know a lot of people that do Instagram and stuff don't, which is fine, but I still work full time because, or mainly just because I'm quite proud of what I achieved and, I work in London and I enjoy it. So, um, but I, I finish work worn out. Then it's the dinner carnage. They don't eat nothing and all that. Um, and then it's like, right, let's play. Let's fit as much into like an hour and a half that I can because I'm kind of making up for of not seeing them all day. And then everyone goes to bed and then we do it all again. So that's why it just goes so quickly, I think. No, I agree. And I think you, you've raised some interesting points there. Firstly, the what you remember of your childhood and, you know, like you said, your dad there and what things were like after, you know, he'd had a long day. Um, and again, it is again, maybe it is just a, a generational thing. I think some of those changes that we're making now is, you know, these new wave of parents. I think we are trying to do things a, a little bit differently. We're going to come on to sort of just your family setup and, and, and situation. But just something that I want to pick up on is when you were growing up, was there a point where you remember specifically thinking, I'm going to have my own family one day? No, never. And it's so <laughs> interesting when I hear the responses to that question with each guest that I ask, because some just knew it from very early on, you know, because of their family setup and situation, others so oblivious to it, you know, just completely kind of, it, it gets to a certain point in their life where they just, Oh yeah, this is, this is now what, what, what's supposed to happen. Yeah, no. And, and that was exactly with me. It was like, it never, I mean, getting married, 
I didn't even think about it, right? I was too busy, whatever, depending on what age I was doing, what I was doing, but I was too busy enjoying myself, getting into some skirmishes. Um, you know, then you start getting out with your mates and you end up getting a couple of girlfriends and stuff and you're too young to think about any of that. And then you, when you start getting serious relationships, you start getting asked them questions like, oh, would you get married? And you're like, well, I've got to say, yeah, really. Um, and then the same with the kids. Would you like kids one day? And you're like, yeah, 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 of course I would. But I don't think you really, I'm just talking from my own experience. I'm sure there's many people that are, are opposite, but I didn't really give it any thought, to be honest. I didn't, it, it didn't appeal to me. It didn't not appeal to me. I just weren't, I just kind of, until I got married and then it became a serious topic, um, then when I thought about it, I was excited about it, but I didn't really know what I was excited about. Um, but yeah, certainly early years and teenage years and early twenties didn't just weren't worried about it really, to be honest. Whereas I think Charlotte was planning her wedding at primary school. Do you know what I mean? Like that's interesting. I was that was that was going to be my next question. Was when you met Charlotte, were you guys essentially on the on the same page? <laughs> Uh, well, we'd both been engaged before um, and both had weddings planned. So we were kind of both a bit, I think we were both like up for the single life because we'd both come out of long relationships. And I think we both, neither of us really intended to meet and we just wanted to, I think we went out for a drink and then we just kind of got caught up in the whole like, sounds cheesy but like we sort of like fell head over heels and just moved in after six months and then we're planning our wedding and so I think when we met that were I think the marriage was probably the last thing that we were actually talking or thinking about because we both just kind of got out of one or got away with one uh, whatever way you look at it but I know for a fact that she's always wanted children um like it's really important to her she's got three sisters um she was always like, I want four children. What changes actually? Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four. I don't think she knows, but um, she's got five. So didn't go away anyway. But um, yeah, I think she she was dead set on it. But I, I think I just went with it, if I'm honest. Like, I'm not I'm not on here to pretend I'm something I'm not. I just went, I was just like, yeah, sure. And didn't really overly worry about it. Um, but then when it when they come along, it just um, totally changes your perspective of it all. Well, for me, it did anyway. No, and I think, you know, so many dads can relate to that. Um, I've spoken openly myself about how, you know, when I first got with Sophie, that it wasn't, you know, having kids wasn't necessarily on my agenda. I think I felt the same as you. I, I wasn't for it. I wasn't against it. Kids just weren't something that I thought about. I was very, you know, career focused at the time. And so in my head, that's all that I was was thinking about. And as you say, it's interesting that once you start, you know, once the relationship develops and, you know, there are maybe sort of natural turning points where you get married and then you go, oh, okay, you know, is the next step going to be naturally to, to have kids if that's the way that you choose to do it? So, yeah, I, mean, I think it's just, it's very interesting just to hear everybody else's different experiences um, with that. Let's go back then to that time when you, so you guys are now married. Talk me through the time when you first found out that you guys 
were pregnant. So we'd been trying for about two years, I think. Um, and it weren't, it just wasn't happening. And we weren't, we didn't know why. Didn't expect to have any problems. We thought, oh, the day we'll start trying, the next day we'll have a baby, you know. And we were just on the cusp of going to see someone. And I think we even did go to see someone. And then I think it was Christmas. And they said, there's no point starting anything now. Come back in the new year and we'll um, we'll sit down and talk about it. And then she done a test and was pregnant. And it was like a it was like a biggest weight in the world had been lifted off of me, but also not really knowing what I'd let myself in for. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, I was scared, but I was so happy. Um, but then I literally spent the whole entire, like, well, it's nine months, but obviously they're normally a few weeks in once you find out. So I spent the whole eight months just being worried about the whole thing in terms of something bad happening, which is just how I am. But the, the actual relief of it, of Charlotte getting pregnant was just, it made me realise how much I wanted it, I think. Yeah. Because I was starting to get so devastated um, when it weren't happening, that when it did happen, it just it just made me realise that I'd made the right decision and that I was genuinely looking forward to it, even though I had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. If that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, totally makes sense. So I think what's an interesting point there that you've mentioned is obviously the fact that you guys were were trying for, you know, a couple of years before falling pregnant. And I think sometimes that's maybe not something that's spoken about enough because, you know, people think of that natural progression of things and it is usually in that stereotypical family setup that it's, you know, mum and dad are going to meet, you know, they get married kids come along very quickly afterwards or or certainly at the point of them trying that it's it, it just doesn't really happen you mentioned that you were obviously you were starting to get concerned by that was that something that you spoke to other people about or was it just you know something that you and you and charlotte were just dealing with yourselves i don't think we would have dreamed of talking to anyone about it do you know what i mean like not look it looking back we probably should have and if it happened now then i probably would but at, at the time, it was just like, this is our problem. It's embarrassing. Um, there must be a problem. Or if there is a problem, it's going to be something to do with, you know, towards that area. And no one wants to talk about that. So it was just, we were dealing with it ourselves. No one knew what we were going through. Obviously, everywhere we went, everyone was like, oh, you can have a baby. And we're like, we've been trying for 18 months but we can't say that we're just like oh you know no rush um and that actually taught me a massive lesson about being that guy that when someone comes back from their honeymoon and you start thinking you're being funny just to shut up yeah it's so strange isn't it because that is it, it does flow out of people's mouths so so mm. easily on on so many occasions you know as you say you get the, the return from honeymoon or you know six months down the line or on their first anniversary or you know all of these these points where people do sort of start asking questions that nothing's been really going from down it. There. no not at all no i think the problem is that you spend you obviously spend the first three weeks of the month, you know, doing what you do to get pregnant. Um, and after 18 months of doing it, that becomes soulless and just all, 
not a say all fool, still all right, but um, you know, it isn't what it's meant to be. And then you spend the next week or two waiting to do that test. And then obviously she'll either come on or it'll be negative. And both are just shocking. Like, you know, the, cause you've just waited five weeks, four or five weeks of just getting it right, getting the timing right. Laying, laying in bed with your legs in the air and all that stuff, you know, everything that you can. Eating avocado, stop smoking, whatever it is, um, and you're not getting anywhere and it's it's soul-destroying um, and it's embarrassing, to be honest. Yeah, no, I can I can totally see exactly where, you know, how, how people must be feeling when when they're going through that, that scenario. And as you say, I think things have progressed over the last couple of years in terms of, you know, maybe normalizing that conversation. Um, I think social media has obviously had a massive part to play in that, in that there's so many different people telling, you know, their stories and their versions of, of parenthood. So I think we're, we may be a bit more open to it, but I'd still say that your average person isn't that comfortable about, you know, sort of talking about some of, some of those issues. No, but obviously you guys had a, you guys had a positive um, outcome in that, you know, you, you found out that you were pregnant and that, that Henry was on the way. You said earlier that for you, that was quite a, a worrying pregnancy because you were thinking about lots of, of different things. I'm always really interested to know who, especially as a dad to be, who was your sort of like go-to or your sounding board when it came to everything that was coming your way in terms of being a father? Was there, was there a, a person or group of people that you, you could actively talk to about that? To be honest, no, like uh, I sort of, I'll get on well with, I'll get on with my dad now um, really well. And he's like one of my best mates and I probably could talk to him. But back then it was, we weren't as close. I think my children have brought us a lot closer. Um, so he weren't, and then I don't know. I think I, I don't know. I think I don't know if it's just being a guy or kind of for some reason. I just didn't really reach out to anyone. Didn't really talk to anyone about it. Didn't talk about my reservations. Or I think Charlotte spoke to her sisters, and they'd all had kids, so they were telling her to get this buggy and do this. And I was just kind of. I don't know. I just sort of got through it really. I didn't really have anyone to lean on, which again, looking back, wasn't ideal either, to be honest. Yeah. Cause I, I suppose in that scenario, especially where you've got, so you're, you've got Charlotte's sisters and, you know, obviously they've got partners, husbands, whatever that the, the, their family sets up was. And it, even in that scenario, you still weren't actively. I, I feel like sometimes people just know the, the types of people that they want to have that conversation with. And I don't think it's a mm. conversation that you could necessarily have with everyone. So unless you're in this friendship group of people that have got, you know, you've all got kids or you're all about to become yeah. dads at the same time. I think people do struggle to find that right person to speak to. Yeah. And I, and I think people have their NCT classes and we we I don't I don't know why, but we didn't we didn't do one. Um, and I I regret that because the people that I know have been through it together. They all had a baby at the same time. They were all on a WhatsApp group saying, "Is this normal? What should we do about this?" And I feel like this. And they all go out for dinner now. And I actually feel a bit gutted that we didn't do that because I think that would have been a great support. And 
Um, like I say, I've seen other people, and they even now people with ten year olds are like, "Oh, we're going out with the NCT dads for a drink tonight," and it's like, I bet that's cool because you're all in the same boat at the same time, um, and presumably you're all new parents, so otherwise you wouldn't be needing to go to an NCT group probably. Although you still probably could, but you know what I mean? You're all probably new parents um, and it's just a good network. And I think, I guess that's, Instagram's a good network, but obviously I had the kids, I'd already had the kids, so it kind of was different. But I definitely, if I could go back, I'd do that, I think, just for the, just to connect with people as opposed to learn anything, I think. Yeah, it is a it's a fantastic thing, and I I often think of the, you know obviously we've had sort of a couple of crazy years, and I think of you know sort of that when we were at the height of lockdown and all of those things sort of obviously weren't allowed to happen. I often find myself thinking about you know those new parents that have just never had the opportunity to experience you know something like that, and have, have essentially kind of had to just figure things out and and deal with it themselves. It's interesting. We we all get by. We all, you know, we we all make it happen. And you know, as individuals, we're very resilient at at, at seeing through a, a parenthood situation and a pregnancy. But yeah, I think you can't. I think you can't beat having that support system around you. You know, just to just as a sounding board more than anything. Yeah, I think you need to get the right balance. I think I think there's a there's a lot to be said for um, chucking yourself in and just getting on with it in a way like even I remember before we had the girls which is obviously a completely different scenario but where even when we had Henry I used to just take him out on my own didn't really know where we were going didn't have any stuff with me just kind of winged it and kind of then you have to think on your feet and then it kind of makes you a better dad in my opinion rather than always planning everything down to a T you know have I got taking six bags out with your taking free changes of clothing. Like I, I remember having to go to like Asda and buy an outfit because it, you know, and I didn't have one and then after, not have nappies. Like even yesterday I took the girls swimming and I didn't bring their clothes because I didn't spend two hours before like Charlotte would packing this bag and worrying about it. I just went, yeah, let's go swimming. And obviously it, it doesn't matter because obviously there's certain things that do matter, like make sure you put petrol in your car because that's not great if you if you don't have any petrol and you're trying to get home. But if it's something that you can just buy, don't worry about it. And that that was how I think that was kind of what got me through it, like just sort of doing stupid stuff and just not trying not to overthink it because that stops you leaving the house, I think, because oh, it could rain. Oh, and what if this happens and oh, I've only got two nappies and, oh, and it's just like, no, just do it. Just get on with it. Don't worry about it. It's fun. Have an adventure. Yeah. I think balance is the key word that you mentioned there. And I think that's right because I suppose, you know, had you been in the WhatsApp group with, you know, 10, 12 other dads all going through stuff at the same time, everyone would be chiming in with their opinions and what they do. And that, and as you said, then you maybe wouldn't have had some of the discovery that, you know, you, you you've had by getting on. Yeah. Well, they'd all, Oh, don't do this. Cause my brother-in-law, he did this, and you're like, I don't want to hear it. I'm going. But obviously there was some bad times as well when I thought I wish I hadn't gone. <laughs> yeah, and I think as 
balance is definitely the key the key word in it you know opinions are great and you know getting advice and help is also great you know i think particularly in the age of social media now people often ask me for advice like what, what did you do here or you know what did you buy for this and i often just say that yeah, you know, I'll tell people what we did, but actually just say that at the end of the day, you've kind of got to make your decision based on what you feel comfortable mm. with. And, you know, as long as it's a happy and healthy child, I think that's that's all that really, really right. matters. Although on, on that point, actually, do you, um, I get asked some weird stuff as well, do you? Like, yeah, <laughs> I get, I get like the usual, like, oh, I don't know what pram to buy and, you know, what should we do about this? And it's kind of like, okay, I, I, I'd see why they'd ask me that. But I get people like going like really personal stuff. They're like, um, I'm thinking about changing my job. And I'm like, why? I think, why are you asking me? And I, but I, I do, obviously, I, I don't um, pretend I'm like the oracle of knowledge, but I do try and help people. But I do sometimes think how strange that you just thought of me to ask. But I should be flattered, I guess. You should be. And do you know what? I think we'll we'll get on to sort of like your social media presence and, and how you guys have, have managed to sort of like grow that over the years. And I think I think the way I feel about those types of questions is that social media has brought us so much closer to to individuals to it to an extent. You know, these someone who follows you on social media, for example they might see you on a day-to-day basis more than they see their family or, Mm, you know, even a friend of theirs. And so whilst you guys aren't friends, they might feel like they know you um, and knowing you and your personality and knowing that you always love to help people and, you know, things like that. I think sometimes people just warm to, to, Mm. to people online in a, in a way that, and, and that's a new thing. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it is a really nice thing, but it does. It can be challenging because, as you say, you don't want to you wouldn't want to say something to someone and they go off and do what you said and it kind of not work out, for example. I've got my disclaimer at the bottom of every message. Don't worry about that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a dentist. <laughs> so it's the best way to be. So talk to me then about when, so when Henry came along, obviously you mentioned that the, the challenge is sort of leading up to the pregnancy. Then you've had this period of time with a pregnancy that you've been, you know, fairly anxious about because you wanted to make sure that everything's right. But Henry arrives into the world and what was that whole feeling like for, for, for you as as a, as a new dad at that point? It was probably the most incredible time of my life. Obviously, when all my children were born, it was, but that first, you're like the cat that got the cream. Do you know what I mean? You're like cloud nine, nothing else matters. You've got, in my case, my wife with my newborn boy and even I was desperate for a boy. I, I like I've ended up with two, but I knew I wanted a boy. Even if I'd had to go through 10, I would have, I, I was so just, I don't know why I just always wanted a boy. Um, and I got it, got him first and he was perfect and he was healthy and it was just beautiful. And I'd, I don't think I'd even help. I don't know if I'd even held a baby before. Um, well, obviously had actually, cause Charlotte's, sisters have had children but 
Like not like, you know, you, you have that like, oh, it's a baby. Oh, very nice. There you go. Um, but it was just like, we were just on cloud nine. Like I, I didn't want that moment to end. Like being in, even in the hospital, that was arguably better than taking him home. Like that damn few hours in the hospital where everyone's coming to see you and bringing up teddy bears and, you know, you just, it's just unbelievable. I can't, there's nothing like it. Yeah. There is something really special about that time because I, feel, I think even consciously, you know that you're in a bit of a bubble, don't you? You, mm. you sort of, you're there, you know that you're, you know, whether it's a day, two days or a few, like some people obviously have to have longer stays, but just while you're in that hospital, it's almost like everything else that's going on outside just, just pauses and doesn't really matter. It's irrelevant. I love that. Yeah. Feeling. Yeah. It's great. You, you, there's nothing else like it. You're just buzzing. Like you, you, it's not until you do that, that you realize what buzzing actually is. And if you go to a football match or a gig, you think you're buzzing, but you're not that, that feeling is just on the next level, I think. A very, very different, uh, very different type of feeling. And you mentioned before about sort of, you know, you were one of those dads that was just quite keen to just get stuck in, you know, deal with things as, as and when they came. How did you find those, you know, sort of even the, the early months and, you know, those early years, what was that like for you in terms of, just, I guess, discovering and, and, and finding yourself as a dad? To be truthful, I, when Henry was born, I'd just turned 30 and I'd had enough of going out and boozing and getting in at three in the morning. And I'd done it for so long and I'd done it. I'd done it pretty properly. And like, I was just so happy to be like, have another priority if that makes sense like I was so bored of my life without realizing it I was quite bored of my life like we could do what we wanted we were out every Saturday night at a party or a pub or whatever and we we went on holiday and just did nothing and oh, it sounds great now but um <laughs> like I was ready for the next chapter in my life without realizing it and I, I just threw myself into it. Like, I'm not just saying this because of Instagram and that's what people would expect me to say, but genuinely, I if he cried in the night, I was actually like, I'll go, I'll go. Like, And I'm not pretending to be a hero. I, I just liked going because I got to see him. And the fact that he stopped crying when I picked him up, like, I'm getting emotional now, um, that, that was just everything, you know? Um, and... You know, then you get the first smile and the first step and the first tooth and all the little milestones. It was just perfect, and, and we were we were so happy. And he came everywhere with us. We we didn't put our life on the back burner. We went on holiday with him. We used to go around people's houses and we'd just put him in a Moses basket on the sofa and he'd sleep. And we'd have a drink and you know, like we didn't stop doing our life we just he just fitted in he just came along with us and it was just great and it just felt so right and we were both just fully into it um you know loved buying the baby carriers and kind of you know the outfits and the first little Nike trainers and then like I obviously wanted to get him loads of sort of terrible clothes um that like what I wear and Charlotte wanted him to 
be dressed like an old Victorian gentleman. So we had a bit of a clash, but, um, you know, like we just thrived on it, basically. It's so nice to hear that because I think those, you, you can't, you just can't beat those moments. And even, you know, as you said, obviously you've gone on to have subsequent children. And so, but you just, you can't replicate what it was like with the first no. one. Um, no. And I think one of the best bits of advice that we got given was what you said there about, you know, your, you, your life doesn't end when you have children, you know, your child now has to fit into to your life. Absolutely. When you get that, and you fully appreciate it. I think that makes that whole time very, just so much more mm. enjoyable. Cause as you say, you don't, you never felt like you were missing out and, you know, it's not like you stopped going out or you stopped going on holiday because you just had someone else now that you were, you were bringing along. Yeah. You, you don't, you, I didn't want to like, uh, you know, we'd sit in on a Saturday night, um, kind of with Henry upstairs and just be like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm missing out. And and just to hit on what you said, the, I think because we had to wait for it for a while, we appreciated it more than we had other friends that were almost like, I can't believe I'm pregnant. We only started trying last week. And I think that hit them quite hard um, because they were like, they hadn't had to wait for it. Um, and they, they're no better or worse parents than us, but they love and they don't love their child any less. But I think because we had to wait, we were just so like ready and happy, and uh, almost that waiting time, almost in a, in a bizarre way, sort of done us a favour. I think a little bit because it just made us more hungry for it. I suppose. Yeah, no, I completely get that, and I think you had lots of things that just kind of made me went in your favour. It was the time time of your life as in the stage that you were at in terms of your life, you know, that weight that's now been fulfilled and yeah, just that combination of things. I think for every, everybody's going through something different, but we've all got these different scenarios and, and different things that just mean that when it does finally happen, we we almost breathe that sigh of relief and can then get on and enjoy things. So did you guys at this point, had, had you had conversations? I know you said that Charlotte had mentioned wanting multiple children. So after you have Henry, are you guys now just dead set that you want to add to the family? Yeah. So there was not a doubt in our minds that we were going again as soon as we could. Like we wanted to enjoy Henry. So we weren't kind of, we weren't like desperate, right? Let's have another one straight away. But, if it happens, it happens. And we know we love being parents. And um, now we've had this one child, surely that's cleared the pipes, so to speak. And we can have another one whenever we want, um, which again, wasn't the case. But yeah, we we were definitely kind of Henry needs a brother or sister or three. <laughs> and that's, that's a beautiful segue into to what happened next because your next pregnancy was not a single pregnancy. Tell no. me about the time when you, tell me about how that kind of oh, developed. <laughs> so same scenario. Uh, so what, Henry's nine next month. They're, yes, yeah, so two years of trying but the first six months we weren't really trying, but we weren't trying not to. So 18 months, two years of trying, thinking it'll happen because it's happened once. Why wouldn't it? 
Um, and the same emotion started coming back of failure, embarrassment. Um, but it, it was even worse because there's this little boy sitting playing with his train on the floor with no one to play with. Obviously, we played with him constantly, but little Henry needs a brother or sister, you know. And so not only did we have our original kind of feelings and emotions, we had this new, like, we're letting Henry down, you know. Um, so off we went. Uh, went to the um, went privately because we just knew that the NHS wouldn't wouldn't be able to help us because we already had a child and rightly so I think they prioritise people that haven't got any so no problem with that um, so we decided to go privately um, and find out we we basically both had an MOT for no better word as to to find out what our fertility status was. So um, to be brutally honest, we thought it would be something to do with Charlotte because she had a few problems when she was younger and a few things over the years, nothing major, but all to do with that sort of area. And we were like, even she was like, it must be me. I've got this uh, polycystic ovaries and all this sort of stuff. And lo and behold, it was me. Um, I had like uh, slow and low sperm, um, which I was, I nearly fell off my chair. I was so shocked because I'm obviously, I look like a Viking um, and I sort of thought there's no way that it's me. And it was, and I felt devastated, absolutely devastated. I felt like I'd let us down. I felt ashamed. I could, I didn't tell anyone. It was awful. Mm. And again, just hearing you say that, it's it's one of those things, isn't it, that, again, we go back to, you know, we talk, I'm talking very stereotypical here, but, you know, a strapping man like you that's, you know, had a child before, you know, you just, you kind of don't think that something mm. like that is going to happen to you. I suppose the thing is you, you probably never really even considered it much. You, it's not as though you do go, Oh, okay, well that type of person or, you know, that individual is definitely going to have, you know, a low sperm count, for example. It's just the type of thing that you would never think about. No, no. And then no, when you realize that it's you, that must be quite challenging. Yeah. You're like, you're letting a marriage down, you know, like you're not playing your part. That's how I felt. You're, I'm the letdown and poor Charlotte, you know, I'm going to stop her from having all these children that she wanted. And part of me felt lucky to have had one. Um, and it, to be honest, when we were going through the journey of having the second child, I did say to Charlotte, look, we've got one. Some people don't even have that opportunity and we should feel privileged and grateful. But I don't think she saw it like that. She just, was so desperate's the wrong word, but just so like she so wanted more that um she was caught like she wasn't obviously she didn't say to me you're a letdown. She was equally as upset as I was and she was telling me that, you know, it's not my fault and we'll deal with it and saying all the right things. But it just didn't make me feel like that. So we got given some options and we went for IVF basically. Mm. Um, and I think hearing you say that, 
is very interesting because I always wonder what the conversation is like between couples when, you know, you are presented with something as obvious as that. Mm. And I always say the one thing that must keep relationships going and that is so key is that communication. Mm. Because if she'd sat over, if she'd sat over in one corner stewing about the fact that, you know, she now thinks she's not going to be able to have kids. And then you're sat over in the other corner stewing, thinking that you're a a letdown and that, you know, all Mm. of the negative feelings, like the strain that that must place on, on relationships. I mean, I've, I've seen it in, in other people, you know, it's, it just, that buildup is, is, is quite bad. So it sounds, I'm not, I'm not saying you guys didn't ever have those separate moments where you felt that way, but it sounds as though overall you kind of were coming together. Yeah, obviously I thought it was going to be her. So I was like, had all my speech lined up, you know, don't worry, we'll do this together. We'll do whatever we've got to do. We'll remortgage the house. We were united in our um, kind of relationship to overcome it, basically. I mean, that's, that's amazing that you guys were, you know, essentially on the the same page and rather than being you know opposing you're actually trying to find a a solution so what did you guys actually then what was the next stage for you once you know that you've got this this issue that's causing it what was the next steps we found a decent um place that had been recommended to us that was local i had absolutely no idea what ivf was i remember when we were at school, people were talking about test tube babies because it became like a thing. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, like the first one, it was like such major news, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, as much as people around me had had IVF or talked about it, I, I, I didn't really know what it was. And I kind of, we went to this place and um, we'd obviously we'd already had these MOT things done and they sat us down and said, look, basically we can't get, your sperm to the egg. Your your sperm doesn't get to the egg quick enough. It dies on the way. So if we take it from there and put it in there by doing IVF, there's no reason why it shouldn't work. Um, so we were like, sold, done. Put it on a credit card. Didn't worry about it. Um, went through Charlotte. I mean, I don't know how much detail we want to go into because we'll be here all night. But Charlotte went through some serious stuff to get to the point of being ready for IVF. Like don't, if you take it um, lightly, that's not the right thing to do. Um, There's injections, there's courses of tablets like injected into your stomach and there's constantly going up the hospital and basically getting your body right um, for this procedure, for not a better word. Um, And yeah, we got to that point. On the day they said, do you want to put two eggs in or do you want to put one egg in? And we went with two because obviously there's a lot before that point, but I'm not going to talk about what I had to do in a room because it's not that sort of podcast. But um, <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want to get shut down on all the, the platforms. <laughs> no, exactly. But yeah, you can imagine. Um, but yeah, um, sorry, I've lost it now. Um, yeah, we decided to put two in because we thought, why the hell not? It's unlikely it's going to work anyway. If it half works, we'll get one. We never even contemplated we might get two because obviously in life, nothing ever works, does it? Um, so that's our, that was our attitude, really. Like We weren't disheartened, but we were just like, oh, it probably won't work, you know, brace ourselves. And uh, well, 
both eggs took and one actually split in half, which was a natural split. Um, and we ended up, Charlotte ended up being pregnant with triplets. And talk to me about when you first found that out, because obviously you, you, you must do the test and you obviously find out you're, you're pregnant, but then I'm guessing it's, it's not until scans, is it, that you, you find out? So you do, yeah, you, do, you do the test and it sort of goes back to what I was talking about before about the feelings and it's so up, you're buzzing and, oh my God, it's actually, we're actually, you're actually pregnant. It's just best feeling ever. Um, and then I think a week or two later, we went back to the clinic to have like a, a really early scan to confirm the pregnancy. This is all unusual, like not what you'd get with a normal pregnancy because um, you'd have to wait 12 weeks or whatever. But um, you have like a scan on like four or five weeks. So we went and had this scan. Obviously, if Charlotte listens to this, she'll be going, no, it weren't. It was six weeks. And but, So I might we, be wrong. We, ne- like, we, we never get the timing right. Like, no, Sophie I, tells me that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't got a clue. But yeah, so we're sitting in this room with these two um, midwives or whatever, and they're like, Oh look, there's a little heartbeat, and we're like, "Oh, thank God for that." Oh, oh, hang on, there's another one, and I'm like, "Whoa, what?" You know, I've not got twins in my family. I don't really know any twins, um, and then we're like falling off our chair at this point, but with a excitement and b like shock that we've got twins, and then she calls her colleague over and goes, "Am I seeing this right?" There's another little heartbeat there, and we're like, at this point, sort of. Literally, like, I, I started laughing and Charlotte started laughing hysterically. It was almost like a crazy, like, what the hell? And I just, I cannot tell you. I walked out of that place just like my mind was worrying. I had to go back to work and I had to do my work. And I was just like, there's obviously a massive part of me going, because the first thing they say to you is, don't get carried away. You know, you've got three heartbeats the size of an apple pip or whatever they are um don't start buying free of everything just relax we'll come back and we'll do it again and just you know take it slowly um which was quite hard to hear actually because three triplets is just crazy like i've seen a lot more of it now from instagram because obviously i connect with them with people with triplets but before that i'd never never met triplets didn't know anyone um, and I, to be honest, I guess the, the pregnancy was was pretty much like that the whole time. The whole we got looked after incredibly in London and stuff, but um, it, the whole way through, we just kept getting told get to twenty weeks, then we'll talk again. Get to twenty four weeks, we'll talk again. Don't buy anything. Don't do anything. Just get to 28 weeks and we'll start taking it seriously. That was how blunt they were about the whole thing, which was really hard to hear, especially as, as I said earlier, during Henry's pregnancy, I was worried enough about something going wrong. And then with this one, not only was I worried, but I was actually being told I should be worried, you know? So I was, she was wrapped up in cotton wool. I mean, I remember we used to work together and I remember emailing me at my desk saying I'm bleeding. And I was like, what? And I had to go over to her office and I ended up calling an ambulance and this guy turned up on a motorbike and they rushed her in, but obviously everything was fine. But there was loads of moments like that. Um, and I think we were trying hard to not establish a relationship with the three of them in the womb. 
because we were gearing ourselves up for right if two of them come out that's probably good like as in that's a good return if one of them comes out that's probably still a good return but in your heart you're going i've got three like i want i want them to all be they're your baby they're your babies you want them you want to to literally hold them and i think this is such a it's only a conversation, as you say, if, if someone hasn't gone through a pregnancy with multiples, they probably won't sort of understand the intensity of those conversations. Mm. But as you say, everything is around the elevated risk. You know, Sophie and I had that um, with, with, with the twins and, you know, I remember how intense some of those conversations felt, but I can't even imagine when it's, when it's triplets. Cause even I know that, you know, the risk increases, you know, the, the risk of mm. other complications and that must be, it must be a really challenging, you know, sort of scenario to be in because you've got, you must, your emotions just must be all over the place. Yeah. And you don't, don't obviously I'm talking from the man, the man's perspective, but you don't enjoy the pregnancy. Like you don't, you don't wake up every day like full of like joy. You almost wake up every day just thinking, when's that next milestone we've got to get to? Um, you know, like it's just really difficult, you know. It's it's really um like you're trying hard to do the right thing and not um get too hung up on the three of them, but mm. that's impossible, right? You know, yeah. you, you can't not and it weren't until we got to about 30 weeks where they were almost like, okay, you know, if these girls are born, they'd be all right. Um, and that was an amazing place to get to. Cause obviously at week two, they don't tell you, you need to get to week 30. They just tell you, you need to get to week four yeah. and you go there on week four, like all Those relieved that they're still there. And just then keep go, getting pushed back oh, and back and back. Yeah. yeah no, it's, well, it was, <laughs> yeah, we'll see you on week eight okay, what happens then? We'll just tell you to come back on week 12. And it's like, you know, that was a long period in between. And every time she had a twinge and every time she didn't look right and we've still got, what was Henry? Two, two, three, still got two or three year old running around. Of course, yeah. um, But no, obviously in my situation, um, they all arrived at 34 weeks, cesarean, 26 people in a theater um, because you have to have three of everything. Nice, nice and intimate then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because I did ask to film it. Um, not, not for Instagram. Cause at the time I don't think I even had it, but just for myself, but they were like, no, but I did, but I managed to get these incredible photos of because they're so high risk. They literally take them out, literally put them in your face so you can see them and then whisk them off. Yeah. And, I've got the photo of it, 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 all of them coming out of at that exact moment of like birth, like where they've just bought them out and Amazing. they're like one second old. It's, it's incredible. Um, everything was fine. They were in hospital for three weeks, um, just precautionary stuff. So, you know, ended up being fine. Amazing. And it's good to, you know, those success stories are, are incredible because I mean, I don't know what I'm, I meant to look this up and I don't know what the actual odds are, but you know, as we say, you, you were, you guys were at an increased risk because of triplets and, you know, to welcome three beautiful girls into the world, um, you know, must've been a, a an incredible, incredible feeling. 
I guess those early days of bringing now three children home were probably very different to when you did it with Henry. Oh, I can't, I cannot begin to tell you what it was like. It was, it was, I mean, I remember um, it was a bit of a nightmare, really. I, I, spent, I took my two weeks paternity leave the day they were born. And that, so I spent their whole entire, my whole entire paternity leave in hospital with them. Um, so I kind of wasted it really, but then you can't not be in hospital with your newborn children. So in hindsight, probably should have just got to work because they were fine, but you know, it doesn't work like that. But when they're in hospital, there's like a security blanket of nurses and they almost do stuff for you. So you don't have to worry about it. Um, I know the day they come home, we have to step up. Like I knew in my in my heart, I was worried about it. I was over the moon. Like it's incredible, but I knew it was going to be brutal. It was every bit as brutal as you can imagine. Like it, I can't even. People are probably thinking like, uh, how hard can it be? But it's not. It, it's not hard. It's just in the laws of physics. There's only two of us and three of them, so we're outnumbered. Yeah. And they all need the same thing at the same time. And it's just that kind of, and I was going, I went back to work and it was just, I remember me and Charlotte like laying on our bedroom floor crying and it was just so hard. Um, But equally so beautiful, you know, having three little babies, you know, you're the talk of the town, um, people coming up to you and um, just what a blessing as well at the same time. So it was kind of like hard, but great, you know? Yeah, no. And and not forgetting, as you said before, you, you know, you've got two and a bit old baby, you know, in, mm. in Henry there as well. So you're kind of literally having to, to sort of juggle all, all of that. Yeah. And I, I think this is kind of just hearing you say that has made me think this is kind of why I wanted to have these conversations because I think sometimes, you know, obviously and we, we'll talk a little bit about your Instagram journey in a minute, but you know, there's only, there's certain things that you can share on Instagram for you guys sharing cute pictures of your kids is, you know, something that you do. And I think, you know, a lot of people love the fact that, that you do that, I think, but sometimes just hearing the reality behind, you know, what was going on mm. in those early days and, and how tough it is. I think it's important. And as I say, I think social media has meant that we are having those conversations a bit more. But I think that would be reassuring to other parents of multiples out there or, you know, the people that have, you know, got multiples on the way that just, just that understanding that whilst you can be having the most amazing time, you can also still acknowledge that there's struggles with that because, mm. you know, we're, we're human and that, 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 that must be challenging at times. Yeah. And I think that's important that you, I think it's important that you can own up to that, you know, the, the whole mm. like stiff, stiff off a lip and um, get on with it. Obviously that can only take you so far. I think you have got to be like, today was, I have, we have days even now and I'm like, today was awful. Like I remember the, when we had the triplets, I remember I knew how life was as to what my mood was like when I left for work, because if right. I walked out that door and thought, thank God for that, I knew I was struggling. And then mm. other days I'd walk out and be like, oh my God, I'm gutted. Like, I so don't want to go. Mm. Um, and there was a mix of both, you know, like there's days where you're like, they're all crying. They're all being a nightmare. They're being sick. Henry wants me to play football with him, but it was like, I can't win. 
and they're all so young they don't understand and it was just being pulled in all directions you're trying to give your wife a break but then you try you've been at work yourself so it's just brutal but I think you're right talking about it again comes down to that admitting it it's fine yeah and I think and I mean that leads us quite nicely onto the topic of social media so you know for those that that don't know and, and don't follow you you've obviously grown a, a social media following you and Charlotte you know discussing your your journey the your pages clearly allude to the triplets and I think it's definitely a standout feature it's certainly I think one of my early intrigue I was interested in just following dads in the early days and then I think mm. that came across you because you were now a dad of triplets and I was like oh this guy's like a hero <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and then you realized you I, just, I just couldn't understand <laughs> and then I got to know you um, <laughs> yeah exactly but I think you know I I think you're, you you obviously you guys have a very unique style in that I think the way in which you document and the way in which you share your your journey clearly resonates with with lots of people and I think was that a conscious decision I'm always interested when people you know have started to grow on social media did you guys sit down and go actually do you know what we're here we've got triplets. This is a USP for us. You know, we, we could potentially do something on social media or were you just winging it? Like most people are. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was definitely not dragon's den. Like if I've sat there and thought <laughs> I've got an idea, absolutely not. I, I didn't, I weren't on Instagram. I didn't particularly like it. I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know what a blog was. I didn't know what a vlog was. Honestly, no idea. Um, and I, I solely joined it because Charlotte was in hospital with the girls. Um, I was getting home from the hospital and I had all these emotions like, and I had all these experiences that I had to get out and I had nowhere to put them. Um, and I started putting them on it. We had like a personal Instagram that I never even knew what the password was. Um, but I just started uploading a picture and just talking about like, oh, this happened today and it, and it made me feel good. And it made me feel like I was almost doing it to tell all the people that our friends at the time, all oh, right, this is what's going on. Like, mm. and it felt good. And then I started connecting with like thinking, well, I could probably connect with some other people that have had triplets because I don't really know who to ask anything. Right. And, and I'm not talking about what we were talking about earlier, where you're trying to like soundboard your, parenting because I've never done that even though I think mm. that's a good idea I, I mean more like there's no body you can ask with triplets there's no like there's no internet pages I think there probably is now but at the time there was just nothing and there was I couldn't ring anyone up and go what should I do about this because they're like I've not had triplets mate I don't know yeah. like so I think it was it was partially to like get my thoughts and feelings out there but then equally um to try and connect with some other dads of triplets. But obviously I didn't realize that just dads generally and mums and non-parents who I've connected with would all have a, a positive impact on me. But uh, when I started it, I just assumed it would be dads of triplets, but don't think I found any. Well, you're, you're definitely few and far between. And yeah. I think that's the beauty of Instagram, isn't it? That, you know, there are so many different people that you can connect with. And, you know, I think, um, you know, 
yeah, just different personalities and, and, and different mm. people. It's it's definitely a fantastic platform in in that sense. Yeah, and the fun. Do you know what the funny thing was that whenever I um, so Charlotte used to take these photos during the day, and she wasn't on Instagram because she didn't want to be because she was like, I'm too busy looking after them basically, um, and I look like crap because I haven't had a bath for three days, and you know because I've got these three little babies at home. Um, and she used to take these photos and I used to be at work going, I really need you to take a photo because I need to put something on Instagram. And I, so she'd take this beautiful photo of them all like laying on the carpet with like beautiful outfits on and I'd put it up, but I always thought people must be like, you clearly didn't take that photo because you weren't there <laughs> and you rock, you can't really talk about how the day's been because you haven't been there. And I, obviously this is pre like working from home. And no one ever said it, but <laughs> I used to almost feel like a fraud because I was like, I'm sort of blogging this experience and I don't think stories, Instagram stories were a thing at the time. So you only had like your, your grid. And I just used to think, surely why are people following this? Because I'm not even there. Like I'm not even, <laughs> you know, I don't even know what to write half the time because I'm, I've been at work all day. So it was that was quite funny really, but no one ever said it. And it just kind of grew and became kind of five years now I've been doing it. So crazy. Mad. Yeah. And I think, I suppose visually you must, that, that must have been so different for a lot of, you know, anytime I see a page that's where there are triplets and, you know, there's the odd page that I follow where they've got more than triplets. Mm. And th there is just something visually about that, that is still, because it's not as popular, I think it still stands out. And so I guess whether it was intrigue, whether it was, you know, just kind of checking in, obviously as time went on, you guys started to develop that a bit more. And, you know, I think the way in which you document it and the, you know, the style, I, 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 whenever I read, you know, either your captions or Charlotte's captions, I feel like I've been there alongside you for the day. You know, I, I kind yeah. of, it's, it's almost, you, you bring us in, in a way that I think, you know, is, is, is difficult to do actually. Um, but you, yeah. you guys seem to do it, do it so well. Yeah, I think again, not to sound cheesy, but if you don't, if you don't let your followers in and try and take them on the journey with you, then what's the point doing it, right? You know, that's, and I know you do the same. Like, I, I am actually genuinely intrigued by your CCTV videos. Like, <laughs> I'm just, and I, can I ask you a question? Go for it. Is, is are any of them staged? Like the mishaps. This is the crazy thing. The, the amount of stuff that doesn't make it onto Instagram that happens anyway, <laughs> you would not believe it. No. Um, it's, it's just got, there is, I am, I've never thought of myself as like a clumsy person or, you know, anything like that. But when I look back at my day, sometimes I'm just like, how on earth am I functioning sometimes as a, as a person? No, so it's good. That, you, that's the, you, bring, the, you bring a, um, you bring, uh, I think it's different for you because like you, you, you almost do Instagram cause you want to, not cause you have to, if that mm. makes sense. And uh, that shows and like, you just, I think it's just entertainment. And like when you was doing the, um, the game, the spinning wheel during COVID and that sort of stuff, it's just nice to see someone not moaning and just someone just being a dick basically <laughs> yeah. like, like with, with respect. <laughs> um, like I'm a dick, don't worry. Um, and 
that's what it's all about, you know, like entertainment, not taking yourself too seriously in a way. Obviously, there's sometimes there's serious stuff and of course. it's good to open up. And I talk about mental health and I've got, there's other things that I'm interested in. But I think if you, people want some light relief sometimes. And I think Instagram, TikTok, especially, I love TikTok, but I can't, I can't go on there because... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, and I've tried, and I just I start I do a trend about five months late, Afterwards. and then I think it's almost <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah, so I'll just start, I think I just watch that one, but um, no, it's definitely good to have some, and I've met some incredible people, as I'm sure you have for Instagram. Like we've done some stuff, and I've it's, I've must have known you a few years now, and um, st- I remember like we had like a bit of a. I don't know if you remember, but we had a bit of a dad's club at the beginning. There was loads yeah. of us and I still talk to a lot of them um, and like regularly and stuff. So it's nice, you know, and it's a nice little community. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's, I think social media, it does get a lot of stick and I think it's about what you, you want to do with it and how you choose to to manage it. Because like you said, I think sometimes if you're doing, if you're on social media, in your words, because you want to rather than having to, I think that does take sometimes a lot of the pressure off because mm, you don't definitely. feel as though you've got to keep up a, you know, certain facade or, you know, you aren't always thinking about your content from the angle of, Oh, well, if I do this, you know, will I be able to get this brand deal or will I be working with this company or whatever? So I sometimes feel really grateful that actually, yeah, this is just me and, you know, essentially for me, this is my diary. I, I don't know what's going to happen on mm. any day. Um, and you do feel mm. comfortable, but I liked that when you said there about that community feel, I think that is so important because, um, you know, the group of dads that I know that we've, that we have in, in mutual, uh, connections with, they're a fantastic bunch, you know, also mm. different in, you know, our upbringings, our backgrounds, you know, even the amount of children that we've got, you know, there, there's a real range there. But I think when you find that community and that tribe, I don't know, there's just something really special about it. No, it's cool. And, you know, we've had the football matches and we've had the nights out and, yeah. you know, like we've done some strange things as well. And no, it's cool. It's definitely, you're right. And how do you feel, you know, obviously you've got a young family now. We haven't even got onto it. We've, we've been talking so long and we haven't even touched on Jimmy. So for those that don't oh. know, Jimmy, your, your, your youngest, I was going to call him the little yeah. one. He's the little one, but he's not so little anymore. Um, no, big Jim. Jimmy's, um, Jimmy's come along. Uh, yeah. So it, I had five under six at one point, which <laughs> only for about two days, but um, that was, I mean, I won't lie we had, we hadn't even thought about having any more. Um, we didn't think we had the luxury of actually naturally having another one. Um, mm. although that was probably just because we had so much going on. We just didn't really think about it. Um, I deep down was like, Oh, I'd go again. But Charlotte was kind of like, I'm not even ready to have that conversation, you know? Um, and then ding, Jimmy comes along. Um, and just it did throw us, I won't lie. Um, it weren't planned. That's not to say he's loved any less. Mm. Um, but we hadn't sat down and thought about it. Uh, but his quality, he's an absolute like lunatic. Like he's just he's been left to his own devices because 
our life, our house is just carnage. Mm-hmm. He's got these three older sisters that are just, they're going to be, imagine that when you're <laughs> 12 and you've got these three 15 year old sisters or whatever. Um, don't even want to think about it. Um, he's got this nutty older brother that just plays football all day. And then Charlotte and I are just sort of trying to just keep it all together as everyone is. And he just like thinks he's about 20, just sort of bowls around. He's only two. Um, he's got long blonde hair. Um, he just, he's just excellent. He's just such a good addition. Like he's just finished it off perfectly. Um, and ironically I had to snip, um, about two months after he was born because I was like going to Charlotte, oh, we could go again. And she was just like, <laughs> no way. And, and I think that's, I remember you sort of documenting even just your feelings around that because, you know, getting a snip, it's a, it's a huge step. Um, and I remember sort of, you know, that again, you're very open on, online in terms of, you know, how you were feeling a, about that. And, you know, I guess from a, logistical and a practical sense I suppose it made sense for you guys just with how much you have going on yeah um, um, there's there's the car there's the I mean when we go on holiday now we have to get two rooms normally and there, there's all these pre- like say the practical things but there's also I think um we felt that, like we'd had a lucky run you know yeah. everyone was all right and we we've got more than we thought we'd get and they're all great. And maybe it's just the time to go. Can we go through that all again? Cause obviously if I think about it, I've pretty much, if you kill, if you count Jimmy as a baby, cause he's two, but he's still a baby. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, he can't fend for himself in it very much. We've, we've sort of had a baby for nine years, like, and three in the middle. So it's like, maybe we can't just keep doing it because we're just burning out a bit. Like that's how I feel at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about as parents, you know, you guys, there's, you've got to live your life as well. You know, you've brought mm. five incredible humans into the world and, you know, they, they're your blessings and, and so on. But there is still behind this, you know, Alex and Charlotte that, yeah. that need to live their life. You've got to keep the fire burning. Um, and we try and go, I don't like calling them date nights because that kind of normally insinuates that you've not been getting on and you need to have a date night. But um, we try and do stuff and we try and <clears throat> we try and laugh a bit and we have the night out and um, we're getting to do a bit more once because the kids are getting a bit older and stuff. So we, and we try and talk a lot and we try and work on our relationship basically because I, I'm a firm believer that you know, not, not happy wife, happy life, but just, just to have gone through all we've gone through Mm. and, and the beautiful children we've got and the lovely house we've managed to get. And then just like hate each other at the end of it, just to me, it's just not like what I want to do. And one of the ways to do that is to just keep talking and just try and be nice to each other most of the time. Um, and not hold grudges about silly arguments and, all that stuff. So we just try and get on and like each other because we've both put a bloody shift in for the last few years. Do you know what I mean? Of course. No. And it's, it's good to hear that because I think, you know, and again, we talk about social media, we see that 
I'd say I see that when I've, I follow you, obviously I know you guys as well. So I know that it's not all, you know, contrived and I know that that's something that's really, really important to you. And it's, as I said, probably the only advice that I give to any new parents, um, is to kind of keep the communication alive because I think once that starts to slip, then, uh, then things, things, it's a very slippery slope. Yeah. The one thing I did want to touch on is the conversations that you've been having online around mental health, because Mm. I think that's so important for, especially from a father's perspective. What was it for you that made you feel comfortable to sort of talk about, you know, your personal struggles with, with mental health? I actually felt more comfortable talking about it on Instagram than talking to Charlotte, which contradicts what I was just saying completely. But I found it difficult to talk to her about it because she comes from a family that don't have mental health problems um, that they obviously do, but it's like almost like if you just pull your socks up and get on with it, then it'll be all right. And they're kind of brought up like that, um, which is fine. But I think she struggled to understand it at first a little bit. Like she just didn't get it. Um, And I didn't want to have to try and convince her because that's not helpful for me or her. So I just kind of started channeling it into that. It weren't a conscious decision. It just happened. I just felt brave. I didn't sit there thinking, oh, I know it'll get me a load of likes or whatever. Mm. Um, That's not what I'm interested in. I just did it. I don't know why. I'm quite spontaneous. Like I'll buy a car tomorrow without looking at it and stuff. Like I do get a bit like that. So yeah, just done it. Just went bang, opened a can of worms, got some negativity around it, got loads of positive positivity. Once I talked about it once, it became easy. Um, one thing I didn't like was, you know, if I talked about wanting to take my own life and I never t- I never tried to take my own life, but it did used to come into my mind a lot. Um, it still does occasionally, but I've got tablets and therapy and, you know, all the usual things and been talking about it and almost like for me, like not joking about the subject because it's far from a joke, but just being able to like laugh about myself in the situation mm-hmm. is I'm scared of dying. Like seriously, like it's like my biggest fear apart from sharks. And for me to then want to kill myself just sounds so weird, but it was almost like, it felt like that was my only way out of all this. Not not the children, but mm. just the responsibility and the grind. And it weren't, I want to get away from it. It was like, right, if everything goes wrong, I'll just kill myself. It's fine because I've got that option. And my therapist said to me, it's because you're not in control of your life. Your life's like mental plates being spun everywhere. And that's just your brain reminding you that you do control whether you live or die. Right. per se obviously if you get run over you can't control that but do you know what I mean mm. and and when I said that people were like how can you say that you've got these beautiful children and I was like this is exactly why people don't feel like they can say anything because it's not about my beautiful children like my, my children the, the fault of their dad having killed himself is is the worst thing that I could think of to put them through that and I wouldn't mm. but I'm just trying to explain how I felt. And the problem is the people that don't have these conversations are the ones that do it. 
and they might have never spoke to anyone about it. They're the happy-go-lucky bloke down the pub who one night it all got too much and he hung himself from the tree in the garden. And that is why I talk about it because if and the amount of people I've had say to me, my husband, I've been showing him what you talk about. I don't talk about it all the time, by the way, just when I want to basically, mm. and I haven't wanted to for a while. Um, and they're like, oh, it's really helped him and he's gone and saw the doctor and I've had loads of that. And I've never advised people what to do, especially with this sort of stuff because it's not my place. But the first step is just admit it, admit it's hard, admit you're struggling, admit that you're not in a good place, then take it from there. You know, I'm not an expert, but that's what I did. I found the right tablets. I found that just being open about it is fine. And the amount of people like my mates and stuff that have gone, I've never told anyone this, but off the back of me talking about it, mm. it's just unbelievable. So I'd like to think I've helped a few people, um, maybe just talk to someone. And that for me is more of an achievement than anything else I've done on Instagram. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very sobering hearing you talk about it this way. And I think that's what's kind of always sort of stood out to me is that you haven't been afraid to, to have that conversation. And like you say there, I think the positives certainly outweigh any negatives. Um, and I mm. think also it's hard for someone, someone like myself, for example, that hasn't had, you know, mental health struggles, it's hard to relate. But then all I want to just all I want to be able to do in these scenarios is just to sit and listen. And I just think mm. if if that's that's the least, that's the only thing that I can probably do in this scenario is listen to someone who is saying, I have this problem. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to get it. Mm. I don't have to have experienced it. And so sometimes I think, you know, just having someone that's speaking about it so openly, I, yeah, I can, I can only imagine how many people would have, would have really benefited, you know, just from, from yeah. seeing that. Unfortunately, the conversation around men's mental health is improving and, you know, mental health in general. So that's a, a positive thing. And um, yeah, I mean, I would say as, as, as long as you feel comfortable doing it, then, um, then continue because I can only see that as a, as a positive. No, thank you. And obviously, for the people listening, there is many um, places that you can reach out for help. Um, all you need to do is Google, I'm not feeling very good mentally, or I want to kill myself. And the first 10, 15 um, Samaritans comes up, loads of different stuff. So that's all you need to do. Stick it in Google and you'll get help. Yeah, um, it's definitely a, a very, very timely reminder. Hmm. I feel like we could have gone on for another hour <laughs> talking about so many different topics. Um, but I know we've, we've both got to get to sleep at some point tonight. So um, we will, we will, we will try and wrap things up there, but there are two questions that I have to ask you because I ask every guest that comes on, on the podcast. Um, so just to close this, we'll ask you that first question, which is if you had to look back on your time as a father, as a series of diary entries, is there a moment or moments that stand out to you? It's a bit of a strange one, but it's a thousand, you know, like that girl's being lifted out of Charlotte's stomach and Jimmy had a water birth and Henry was my first. There's all these things, but there's one thing that sticks out to me and it's a bit strange, but 
when the girls were born and I'd been through like the most bizarre experience and incredible experience of my life, I, I took Henry, I picked Henry up and he was about three and we got home and I was like, what's just happened? And he, I said to him, what do you want to do? We'll do whatever you want. And he just said, I just want to go down the river and throw stones in. So we did. And it was just at that moment I was standing there and we were just throwing these little stones in the river, like trying to skim them and all that. And it was just me and him. And I was just like, I've just gone from becoming a dad of one to four. They're all in hospital. They're all doing fine. He's just standing there and this is what he wanted to do. And that's what we'll do. And I know that sounds odd, but that is just something that stayed with me, that it was just something that simple that means a world to me that we just did that. And it was just me and him. And I don't know what was going on in my head, but it helped. Oh, that's amazing because it, it almost feels like there was just that moment of calm amongst all of the chaos that was <laughs> yeah, you know, going on. Basically. Um, basically. And I, but I think, and I, I think our kids really do bring that out of us sometimes because, you know, we could be going through all sorts that's going on in the background. And then sometimes it's just that little thing that the child says or wants to do that just provides that that, that momentary distraction. Oh, I love that moment. That's yeah. really nice. No, absolutely. We get them... <laughs> You get, a re- you get a lot of them, so it's, it's lucky. No, that's nice. And the second question is, is there a date or any dates in the diary that you're looking forward to this year? Yeah, so we're doing, we're sort of doing some cool stuff. So we're going to Turkey next Saturday, which is our first holiday for three years, which I cannot wait for. Um, and then when we get back, we're actually working with um, Volkswagen and we're going a tour around Cornwall in their new mini bus people carrier thing they want us to try it out so we're doing a few like whistle stop tour of cornwall and it's beautiful down there and it's this massive like it's called a minivan and it's got like all the seats and the tellies in it and that so that's going to be quite cool and they want us to like blog the whole thing so that's going to be cool um one of my favorite events is there's this thing called christmas in september i don't know if you've ever been to it but I've heard about it, yeah. You've got to go. It's so cool because all the brands just like make it Christmas, but it's September, so it's barely (laughs) even cold. And you go in there and they're all showing off what they're going to be selling at Christmas, obviously. And you're eating like mince pies and drinking mulled wine and it's like, this is so weird, but it starts off that Christmas. So yeah, we're doing that. Um, And just probably whatever else comes along with it. So there's loads to look forward to. And Every day, as I've just talked about at the beginning of this podcast with Charlotte falling down the stairs, there's always something eventful happening in our lives. So you want to have some fun, check it out. Yeah, I was going to say, if anyone is listening and they aren't following you, obviously we'll, we'll tag all your social media accounts. And, um, yeah, cheers. Yeah, be, be prepared for them to uh, to come along and, and join the, the, the crazy ride. Yeah, nice one. I've absolutely loved this conversation, Alex. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being so open, so honest. Um, I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy listening to this. And um, yeah, I I personally look forward to seeing uh, what you and your family continue to get up to, especially as they all get a little bit older and start to cause you lots more stress. Yeah, I can't wait. No, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No worries at all.